0: hi guys and welcome back i'm excited um i don't you know i don't know if it was the full moon outside for people to be acting a donkey but i guess it is it is what it is um if you don't know i am kenzie and welcome to the tribulationary podcast i'm so glad for you to be able to join me in this beautiful uh fall i guess slash summer it's coming sooner or later. Um, I have on a sleeve of a shirt, so you know, we're not quite there yet, but we're going to get there. Hopefully, cuz I am ready. I'm I don't dibble and dabble in pumpkin spice shit. I'm not I'm not that girl. Um, I have tried pumpkin spice cupcakes. They're pretty cool. Um, but I only did that once. Don't look forward to it. And I don't want everything to smell like pumpkin spice and cinnamon. I don't want it. Um but I, you know it is what it is. Um personally I'm just ready for Christmas. Anyway, so You know what I'm saying? I for real though. Um first things first, I want to talk to Kristen. Um I heard a birdie told me that you were at practice the other day. And if you don't know who I'm talking about, I'm talking about Kristen, um Evans. Um she is a cheerleader at Stephen at Austin State University, who was a victim of um, campus police doing dumb shit. Um, if you don't know, she <clears throat> uh, about ten students accused said that she was uh, threatening to stab students with a pair of scissors, and it was a false claim. And at three a.m., the police decided to burst into her dorm room with guns drawn. Uh, for every Black person or person of color, that was hella triggering to even hear about after we just heard about the shit that happened with Breonna Taylor. This incident also happened two weeks ago. But it's just now hitting the news like it happened yesterday. Kristen, I just want to let you know that your fellow black POC, LCLM do stand with you. And... We ready to bust a move? Just let us know when, because um, we can't. I mean, being a part of that organization when even when I was there, imagine being a team of sixty to seventy people. Only five of them are black. Police are investigating after a black And shoot. it's it's a lot. Um, to deal with, especially a lot of racial undertones and being on a predominantly white team, team in the time that President Barack Obama was running. Police are investigating I, after a black cheerleader. Oh, at, here we go. Here's the news clip about Kristen. Stephen F. Austin State University says officers stormed her dorm room with guns drawn after receiving a false report. 17 year old Kristen Evans says the swatting was spearheaded by her three roommates and seven other girls who she said were mostly white. I feel shaken, I, I don't even know how to think, I can't sleep at night because of this. It has made me really paranoid. I'm always checking my room and making sure everything is okay before I go to sleep. I was looking forward to you know, making friends and having a good time on the cheer team, but since this has happened, it's made it really, really, really hard. No worries, Kristen. Like we got Sorry, your just back. like I said, I'm taking it. Away. No worries, we got your back. I, and I I can't imagine like what you may be going through, but um <laughs> Trust me, we know. Um it may not have been to that extent. I know when I was at SFA, um my first roommate, she text- she was from Santa Fe, and she claimed that she was not racist Uh, but her boyfriend definitely presented himself that way so there were times that I would actually have to leave my dorm room because he would be doing dumb shit and I didn't want to lose my temper and then shit would have to pop off Um, there was another time when me and one of my homeboys was walking back to my dorm room which whenever I stayed in Steen and it was a truck of white boys who pulled up you know and yelled at us like oh nigger this nigger that you know and you know whenever you see a dude you know he not sagging sagging but he's sagging just a little bit and you know when they turn around and they pull up their pants real quick you know it's about about to be some shit that's going down and that's how we kind of like turned around and me and him like looked at each other and i don't know what i was about to do but i was about to go handle something um but it was you know but like Those racial undertones have been there. It's even rumored that the reason why Nacogdoches high school's mascot is dragons is because it has ties to the Ku Klux Klan, uh, those types of things. Um, I don't feel like it's far-fetched. A lot of them hide their history within plain sight. Um, So, again, Kristen, like, just let us know, like, we're ready to go because we can't support a organization that do not even want to tell us what's going on. Um, And then, like, no justice has been served. And this happened, like, two weeks ago. We ain't got the time nor the patience to be dealing with this shit like that. But we ready. Um, But I I wish you the best. I wish you love and light, uh, Kristen, in this time. Also to your parents and other family. Um, And let us know because we ready to go. We ready to ride. For real, though. Um, in other news, y'all president uh, came down with COVID. Uh, I don't want to be really insensitive, but um, I don't think. Okay, so I think that it's a hoax. I think he, with him, I think it's a hoax. Because how in the hell Melania got it? We know Melania get no fuck with him like that. Like you telling me that Melania be in his face, like to breathe his air, it's a whole ball face ass lie. But um if you watch the debate, you also watch the shit show. Um Joe Biden, you should have told that boy to go ahead and square up and meet you outside because he was real disrespectful. And then it started making me think if he would have started talking, like if Joe Biden would have started taking jabs at Barron, which is Trump's youngest boy would Trump have been offended? Or would Trump have been like, ha, who cares? I feel like he wouldn't care, which is also sad. You know, Baron, I know you couldn't choose your parents, but <laughs> good luck, kiddo. <laughs> um, but I know a lot of people felt that, like, Biden probably could have shot back at Trump, like, in, in multiple ways, but he didn't. He tried to take the high road. You know, he's better than me. You know, Biden really tried. He tried to speak to the American people and look you in your eyes so you can feel it. He stumbled over some words, which some people said he could have a speech impediment, which I'm not shaming of that. But it could it have been his dementia, too. I don't know. I don't know. Because, you know, there were reports about his dementia previously earlier. I don't know. So, you know, if it is a speech impediment, which I have met people who had problems with stuttering, you know, as younger kids, and sometimes they have to repeat a sentence to not stutter over, like, certain words, things like that. Um, and don't don't you correct them. Like, they'll feel offended because they can do it, you know? So, I, I don't know. But... Biden, we're going to have to work on some things and we're going to get this, get this right. I know Kamala is going to be here to uh, read Pence for all, for all, for for all the gods. And um, as long as Pence doesn't talk about America's meat. Um... <laughs> and now i will insert a clip of my homegirl girl Yamanika. she is a stand-up comedian um i know she has her album on stitcher if you want to check her out and this is in a way like how she summed up my thoughts about the debate if you want to call it that because child i don't let nobody come for me all right because that nigga would have said one thing to be crazy i would like not the bayang's The bang, bang, bang. nigga, your bangs are like a mask. Are you out of your motherfucking mind to sit here and tell me when you tell people it is what it is, you trying to act like you did more shit for black people? Why? Because you got a couple of chitlin' coochie-coo-coo-coons running around boop boop, booping for you, and you think you've done more for black people than who, nigga? Then who? All oh, this, oh no, when we go high, when they go low, we go high. No, 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 no. When they go low, go lower than that. And get the fuck underneath them niggas. And look up at them niggas like that and go, nigga, I'm here. Because child, I don't let nobody come for me, <laughs> all right? Because that nigga would have said one thing to be crazy. I would like, not the bangs. The yes. bangs, bang. Bangs, and the other bangs funny like part. Are you out of your mother? The other funny part about... um cheeto in chief was that people were able to see his um his um his facial reconstruction the tape that pulls this that snatches his face over there you know like by his ears or whatever which i think biden has a great um great facial job and i'm stretching my face I mean, I think Biden is pulled back very nicely too, you know, but you are not, you don't, you're hueless, So therefore you don't have melanin on your side to help you not age that way. Like a raisin. Good luck though. Um, the last thing I want to talk about is goddamn Aubrey, AKA Drake. Don't call out SZA in your fucking songs. I don't give a damn if you did that. in Hey, don't call her out. This is why Rihanna don't fuck with you now. God, like, some, can you keep something to yourself? Solana is doing just fine, minding her business, and then here you come. Like, have you forgotten how you got curved on national TV? When Rihanna just simply, like, pushed you to the side and dodged, like, your little your little cheek kiss that you tried to give? Yeah, that's why. And then, before Bearded Drake... You were still creepy. Like why are you texting the 16-year-old girl from the 16-year-old girl from Stranger Things? You have no business doing that. I know you may have wanted to be, I don't know, her confidant or, you know, a a guide or whatever, but that's creepy. And you've done a lot of other creepy things. But leave Solana alone. That's all I'm that's my only plea to you, Aubrey you know, go deal with the dons and I mean, Sophie looks like she's living a great life, you know, just, you know, your mom and your dad, they're all cool, you know, go ahead and do your family ties thing, stop dabbling outside, cause I ain't got time, cause I go up for scissor, and you corny for that! Damn! And when you bearded Drake, like, bearded Drake is like, bearded Drake is hella sexy, but, you now yeah now I'm judging you anyway on to my favorite show Lovecraft Country it went down Hippolyta's episode I'm scared for next week because all I seen was bloody white children scary zomb- fied, uh it clown looking white children white children in general are Scary because they're demon-like and white people too. Um, but D, which is Hippolyta's daughter, is going to have to go up against I don't know, this episode looks like she might be alone, which I'll get to that in a second. But I don't know why they had to do my baby D like that because we go up for D. So in this episode, it was Hippolyta's, as I said, and it was a beautiful episode, a very empowering episode. The imagery the, the imagery, the themes, everything that was involved in this episode. Like, I have a lot of notes about this episode. Well, Lovecraft, every episode is a lot of notes. But this one, it really hit home. Um, and it highlighted quite a few different things. So, we start off with Hippolyta knows that something else happened to George. And she is determined to find out. So, um, we find out that. Letty and Tick both know that uh Hippolyta has the Orry. Christina and Ruby have a heart to heart. I really think Ruby fell for William, which is Christina, but will anyway, but I think that they might have something going on together. I don't know. Or else, um, I think Christina may have hopped in Ruby's body because Christina's not allowed in Letty's house due to the protection that's on the doors. Um, And I think Ruby is the spy. Because her, I mean, Ruby has an attitude, but it definitely seemed like it could have been something else because she was searching around the house. Also, Letty had the same dream as Tick as burning in the house when hannah looked at her and then looks like letty is pregnant which i assume because they just be raw dogging like it ain't nothing uh, but it's assumed that letty is pregnant and if it is it's going to be interesting because now we have another ascendant of the braithwites and potentially more power being able to manifest within that family's dynamics so I'm excited to see, like, where we're going to go with that. But as Hippolyta is on her way, she passes, uh, she's driving, she's enjoying herself, and she's following the map, and she's going to the big time machine-looking thingy. And on her way, she passes by, this be- This lady on this beautiful motorcycle uh, pulls up on the side of her, and we find out that it's, Bessie and this is Bessie Stringfield she was known as the motorcycle queen of Miami and was the first African-American woman to ride across the U.S. alone visiting all 48 states um, she also worked as a civilian motorcycle dispatch rider and she was the only black woman in her unit so we had this little nod of Betsy driving by uh, Hippolyta in all her beautiful black essence, and Hippolyta kind of, like, getting that okay, like, hey, girl, you know, George didn't want to take you. No shade at Uncle George, but it's full shade. But, oh, look, you two can travel. You don't have to necessarily go with George to do those things. R.I.P. George as well, but, you know, he kind of, whenever... Hippolyta had asked him, Can I go with you? He was always he always would kind of like say next time. And that would always crush her spirits a little bit. So uh, to see her travel along and then to get like that recognition, it was it was like, Yes, you too can ride through these streets and be amazing. So then Hippolyta gets to the little machine or whatever, and she just starts cranking out, like, all of these formulas, and you just see, like, all the math that she's doing. And she's a fucking genius, which previously episodes was, uh, she said in the previous episode when her and Dee were at the museum, you know, she said that she named one of the comets. And, you know, Dee was so proud, my mama named a comet, and it kind of was a nod to also hit the movie Hidden Figures of the black women who were involved with NASA who were geniuses. Um so it this is another nod to them. But nobody knew I mean George probably did, nobody knew how smart Hippolyta was. And we continue as we continue, we realize how much she shrunk herself to fit um in the word, like, to fit into Georgia's world, you know? And it was kind of like, a lot of women do this. Society convinces women to do this. But in this episode, being able to see Hippolyta literally live her life outer space, like nothing can hold her back, it was such a beautiful thing. So she gets sucked into, looks like a portal. Her and Tick both get sucked into the portal. Now, I think that they both were in... In some kind of parallel universe, universe. I do think parallel universes exist. We also saw this in Stranger Things. Um, But I do think that they exist, and eventually they're going to cross and intersect. So um, I'm curious to see where that is going to go. So Hippolyta um, lands into this big room, and she's naked on the table. And I love the idea of her being naked because now she's literally vulnerable. Uh, She has to figure it out. And I also want to praise Lovecraft for showing people real bodies, not these BBL girls that you see all up and down your top, like real bodies, real bodies that aren't manufactured, like, with the little pudge, with the little roll here and there. I love it because these are real bodies, and, hell, that looks like me. So I'm proud of it, and I love her for that, for being able to be that vulnerable in this, because I believe the actress that plays Hippolyta is, like, 51 years old. First of all, where? And, you know, for her to be able to do that, it takes amazing guts but, I, you know, but it just goes to show how amazing that show is. So she's in this white thing, and she also starts putting together shit again, um, trying to figure out, like, where she is. And she eventually, well, I come back to that part. So then we go, so Hippolyta figures out, well, the, the woman that comes to her is just like I am which is also the title of the episode, which I am. Who are you? Who are you and what do you give yourself? What name do you give yourself? Like, do you minimize yourself to, like, in Hippolyta's case, I am a wife. I am George's wife. You know, but she's way more than that. So the first thing, Hippolyta took three trips Hippolyta went to Paris. When Hippolyta went to Paris, she wanted to dance with Josephine Baker. Back in the day, we know Josephine Baker was that chick, and she moved to Paris to get away from the racism here in America. Um, One of the quotes that Josephine Baker said Regarding that, um, she said, one day I realized I was living in a country where I was afraid to be black. It was only a country for white people, not black. So I left. I had been suffocating in the United States. A lot of us left. Not because we wanted to leave, but because we couldn't stand it anymore. And I felt liberated in Paris. Which she did. She became this superstar. She was making money. She was doing her thing she wasn't able to have children, but she adopted, like, 12 kids. Her, all the kids were known as, like, the Rainbow Tribe because they were all from different backgrounds, different races, everything. And um, she also became a badass because she became a spy for France in World War II, which, I mean, why not? You're an entertainer, you get to mix and mingle among a whole bunch of people, and all you got to do is get people drunk, and they start telling you all their business. I used to do it to one of my exes. It's fine. So you have this beautiful woman being able to get information out of people. And then Hippolyta meets her. And they have this beautiful conversation. I'll save those quotes for another day. Because that's just a moment that you need to see the dialogue between them two. But seeing Hippolyta be able to, like, so she got transported on stage during the performance. She didn't know the steps. All the girls was mad at her because she was like, "Ah, you, you back, you study, you second study, whatever you call the backup, the backup people, I don't know." But you know, she was messing up the performance. But as she kept doing it, she started getting more comfortable with it, and she started being able to complete the performance. And at first, she was really shy and then she grew into herself and then she became this bad bitch like smoking cigars and mixing and mingling among all the people and hanging out with Josephine you know and all of these things so she got to indulge a little and it was just relieving because that that's all we be wanting to do i think especially now in covid everybody just wants to indulge so why not you know so then we transport to another another time and this time um, Hippolyte is put in the middle of like this battle scene which she also was channeling yes this beautiful scene which she was like got put right in the middle so as her eyes opening up this other goddess is this warrior goddess is standing in front of her and is whooping her ass and she doesn't know how to fight. So she has to try to figure it out. Like, what am I, how do I, how do I take this woman? How do I defend myself? So you see her get knocked down over and over and over and over again. And then eventually she gets it and she's able to defeat this other, uh, elite warrior and gets the, the recognition from the queen. And she gets, gets this beautiful helmet put on and then she gives this speech in front of all of her warriors because she's done what she had to do and she's did what she had to do with her her words and inspiring them and then they go take on an army and they slaughter everybody again it's not gory because this is not a Quentin Tarantino type of thing but she also beheads um, a colonel which they look like you know, they're in the in the sand, so I, I'm assuming that they may be somewhere in, in Africa. Um, but this colonel is supposedly rumored to be uh, Nathan Bedford Forrest, a general of the Confederate Army. He also was the Grand Wizard of the KKK. So the imagery of her being able to behead him, take the head off the snake. In other words, that's how I looked at it. And if you take the head off the snake, the rest, the body can't follow. So the rest of them, fuck ass boys, was just stuck, and they got slaughtered too, just like their leader. Um, and then we go to the next scene to where Hippolyta is George's wife. So now we've ta- now we've tapped into uh, the humanity. The sweet side, the the mother, the wife vibes. And she has this conversation with George. And George is back alive. So she's actually literally getting the closure that she needed. But she tells George, I shrunk myself for you. And George was like, dang, like I never thought of it that way. I apologize. I'm sorry that I hindered you from being able to be the best person that you can be. But to see a man take accountability for the shit that he did was really relieving because that also showed growth and then the closure for her to be able to get. And in this moment, her and George finally go off on their trip. And he puts his hand in hers. And back in the first first episode, D, their daughter, draws comics. And she became and uh Hippolyta became one not yet. Hippolyta became <laughs> Hippolyta became one of the um one of the characters in D's comics. So now I'm starting to think maybe D is going to be able to tell um a story in the parallel universe according to her comics. I don't know. it. It might be interesting, but um in this warrior scene which showed the the Dahomey tribe um the Dahomey Amazons were what this what that particular scene was supposed to be um, showing, which also had a heavy relation to the army with Okoye in Black Panther of having the all-woman tribe, badass all-woman tribe. And somebody described the the Amazons as, it was a general, and he was like, he found them captivating. He was like, slender but shapely, proud of bearing but without affection, not too tall perhaps, nor ex- uh, excessively muscular but then of course the general is a woman and there are like 3,000 troops and during the time these Amazon women were not able to have children or partake in actual life um, they were married to the king and he didn't have sexual relations with them they actually, actu- they actually remained celibate um, th- during their time A lot of them lived to be really, really old to, like, over 100 years old, and, um, but they got to indulge, again, they got to indulge in a whole bunch of different things at the palace, because men weren't allowed in the palace, so they actually got to drink, drink, they got to participate in uh, tobacco smoking, and a whole bunch of other different little things, and, um... They were just legitly badass, and I think that that also, as you can tell, like it ties into Hippolyta's journey as well. But although the Amazon women were not able to partake in regular life, uh, Hippolyta was, hence George and D. And so now we're back to what I wanted to say for last was we now meet. We once she got to that white room. She was met with this beautiful woman with this afro, that is just amazing. And my first instinct was, "Oh my God, it's Garnet! It. It's Garnet from Steven Universe. Steven Universe is a great cartoon. If you ever just want to watch it, it's for adult. Well, it's not really for adults, but um, you get a lot of the jokes and the plays on different things. But I thought about Garnet. Garnet is a badass. Who can whoop anybody's ass? And in this scene, I would say that she was God. And because she kept telling Hippolyta, you are not in prison. You are not in prison. Meaning that Hippolyta could calm down, rest her nerve somewhere. And her name was Beyoncest. And, you know, which for a buzz buzz person, you know, for Beyonce, it was like, oh, it sounds like Beyonce, you know. But, you know, I don't know if that was one of the little plays on the name, but uh it means like beyond it is. And Hippolyta was, like I said, so Hippolyta was in the white room and she was she was figuring out things. She was touching on stuff and she was lifting different little things and putting like puzzles together, which um, it makes me curious. Like, okay. So if you do go to heaven, like, are there rules, you know, like when you go to heaven, you know, do they read you the rules and you sign off on the rules? And does that mean once you get past the pearly gates, like you ain't supposed to touch nothing because Hippolyta was touching a lot of stuff. And I'm one of them people. If you tell me not to touch it more than likely, I will touch it anyway, because I just got to see what is it going to do? Um, Anyway, so that's what Hippolyta was doing, and she figured out the puzzle to where the main door opened up, and she thinks she's free, and so she starts running, and it's like, girl, you in there opening up God doors and stuff, like, don't, I don't think, you know, you signed off on this not to do all that, but you ain't here doing no more, so she opens up, and then she, God meets her, and she kind of throws her against the wall and was like, chill out. You are not in prison. And she was like, what is your name? And that's when Hippolyta was like, I am. And she was like, you're what? And then that's when Hippolyta went on her journey. I feel like the three things that Hippolyta experienced, her first one was to be able to experience pleasure. Um, The second one, well, the first one was experience pleasure and to be free. Like free of society's constructs of what beauty should be like. Um, the second journey she went on was, um, to not be defeated in her mind. Like she can literally do anything that she wanted to do. And she became a badass warrior. And then three, um, it healed her soul because she was hurting because the love of her life is gone. So I think she was able to do all of these things. And at this point, earth can't contain her. So she has to go beyond and, I also feel like, again, that's what a lot of women and really a lot of black women go through. Uh, So many people expect so many things out of us and we can't do it. There are times where we just don't want to fucking do it. After all this chaos that's been going on, I saw a white guy tweet and black women will save us all. No, we won't. Y'all can go over there for that? Y'all need to do some work on your on yourselves in a lot of these protests. It's black women who have been the organizers of all this shit. We're tired. Can we just be? Like, meaning if I don't wanna if I don't wanna do it, I ain't gotta fucking do it. If I just wanna sit on my ass all day, me and my dog, then that's what the fuck we gonna do. But I also wanted to highlight the Afrofuturism that was also presented in this episode, which again, like I mentioned before, we did see it in um, uh, Black Panther, uh, with when you mix African culture um, or different tribes with like futuristic stuff, and it makes this beautiful art. Um, in the in this episode, the voiceover that we had was by Sun Ra, and he was a late. Uh, he was a jazz composer and he was also a philosopher so um, I would say a lot of some of the people who kind of channel him Bilal um, Erica Badu and like you've seen it a lot in Solange too but like those different artists kind of oh and Thundercat Thundercat's another one with the way that the sound and uh, kind of like how Roger Zapman with computer love Ch-ch-ch. Like, all of those, like, you know, know, like, that sound, like, a lot of that came from him. Um, he, he would, like, mix it, like, he would mix, specifically mix, like, Egyptian-style stuff with fashion chic things. You also think about, like, Boosie Collins, um with the platforms and the spaceship that lands on the stage, all these cool things. So, like, it's been around forever, and I'm glad that he finally is getting his shine. But in the episode, the quote, the voiceover was from Black Man in the Cosmos, and, well, that was one of his classes that he teached. And in the speech from the movie Space is a Place, um, it was playing while Hippolyta and George were together, And the quote says, I am not real. I am just like you. You don't exist in this society. If you did, your people wouldn't be seeking equal rights. You are not real. If you were, you'd have some status among the nations of the world. So we are both myths. I do not come to you as a reality. I come to you as a myth because... Oh no. I do not come to I come to you as a myth because that is what black people are, myths. I came from a dream that a black man dreamed long time ago. I actually I'm actually a present sent to you by your ancestors. I I'm going to be there until I pick out some of you to take back with me. And again, Even in this quote, he mentions ancestors, which we know that that's what this whole show is about. Birthright, knowing who you are, where you come from, so you know where the fuck you're going. And I think that this episode was fucking beautiful because now, okay, we've been through all of this. Who the fuck are you? Stand up in that shit and figure it out. Go on different journeys. Don't just box yourself in because society does that enough. Live live just fucking live um oh one more thing that I want to point out is that we all know that Frida and Josephine Baker apparently were lesbian lovers back in the day and I also like how they kind of highlighted that too um I was also talking to this guy that I work out with or whatever yes physically work out not the other kind were you sickos just to be clear and he was like i couldn't watch it because of the gay stuff and because of what ruby did to that man and blah 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 first of all some of the stuff that happens in lovecraft country i'm used to it because i'm a huge fan of ryan murphy which also writes american horror story and he wrote glee which was really weird because that are they're on two different spectrums but i'm used to seeing that so it didn't bother me, but he was like, "Oh, the gay agenda." I was like, "Oh, like here we go, niggas in this gay agenda." And it was funny because he was like, "I don't want to see I don't have nothing against people and how they live, but I don't want to I don't want to see two guys having sex." And I was like, "What make you think like gay people want to watch straight people have sex?" Question. And it was funny because I get on Facebook and I start scrolling and, you know, and like I said, the hotel woke tabs, no teps, um, The ones who have nigga logic um, that makes no sense to me, whatever. Um, it makes a lot of sense to them, none to me, and it's not logically at all. And they never have a plan, but they always got something to say. Anyway, so he, um, I was scrolling through, and I ran across his status, and it was like, like, before TV, how did people turn gay? Which is a question that I want to know, since ever, since so many of these woke folk think that it's the gay agenda on TV uh, that's pushing this. Gay, queer, LGBTQ plus, I a people have been have been here like it's nothing new. Like literally, they've been here for a very long time, and, and it ain't never going away. And they have a right to live and be proud too. The fuck, anyway. Thank you guys so much for listening. I'm excited. We're winding down to the end of Lovecraft. Uh, continue to be an amazing individual, a human being. Don't let society box you in. I said it multiple times this episode for you to understand and get it through your thick-ass skull. Don't let society box you in. Live. Be free. However that, however that is, you know, in your world. And clean up after yourself. I'm tired. I'm still seeing masks and gloves on the goddamn floor and the ground. I'm one of those environmentalist people, and I will call Greta and Greta get on your ass, which Greta needed to definitely pop into that debate because Trump went mm, the Amazon forest and he was like, the trees, the trees are weak. Like, anyway, uh, only you can prevent forest fires. Y'all be good. Bye.